Hi there. Welcome to the First Right Podcast, the weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today we are blessed to again have Ned Ryan on our show. Ned is founder and CEO of American Majority, a political training institute for conservative leaders. Ned is also an important voice on the national scene. And like me and the rest of us here at Restoration Pack, Ned has no patience for the Washington Swamp Republicans who care more about themselves than conservative principles. Well, okay, Ned, uh, it's really great to have you on uh, once again. And uh, I tell you, when I read that uh, Time Magazine piece, I was just uh, I was just shaking my head. And I know that there was conservatives all over the country just like, what the heck? And, uh, you know, they kind of laid it out there about how they rigged the election for Joe Biden. And uh, everybody's talking about it. So let's just start off with yep. just give us your reactions to the story and what you were thinking. Well, I, I got to tell you, my first reaction was complete, completely infuriated by the brazenness of it all. Yeah. I mean, of, of course, that that article did not come out till what, about five, six weeks after the election was certified. And I think they obviously felt the freedom to talk about some of the things that they had done to manipulate and rig the 2020 elections. And they were very open and honest about how they did it. Uh, Molly Ball, who wrote the article, obviously said that she, the way she described it, Doug, was pretty fascinating. There was a cabal. There was a conspiracy of people behind the scenes, very powerful actors, very well-funded actors uh, who manipulated and rigged the election. And, and the amazing part to me, Doug, as I was reading, is the Orwellian language that they used. Right. Yeah, no we kidding. were just we were just trying to fortify our elections. Right. Uh, we were right. trying to protect our democracy. And, you know, one of the points I, I make to people is. When they say something, they mean the exact opposite because everything they were doing, whether it was changing and breaking laws and state constitutions to, to manipulate universal mail-in, you know, to avoid absentee ballot laws, to do all of these things, and then to have private funding for poll workers, what they were doing was actually weakening election uh, electoral integrity. So anytime a Democrat says something, the opposite is actually true. Yeah. How about it? Uh, we're used to that, aren't we? And uh, that's right. Yeah. And it just they just laid it all out right there for everybody to see. And, uh, you know, it's like I'm with you. I was just upset to see it. But on one level, I'm like, well, at least they're talking about it now. And it's not this fever dream of conspiracy like what you said she mentioned it's like yeah she had to say that because that's exactly what she's about to talk about it was crazy you know and the interesting part is she it was this weird double speak in the article by molly ball on one part she's saying trump is crazy these conspiracy theories oh by the way i talked with all the people involved with the conspiracy and substantiated everything that trump is actually saying but trump's right. crazy right I, and, and i think people need to understand when i say it's the big rig it was big tech it was big corporations. Yeah. Uh, it was big money, big billionaires, and, and big big unions, AFL-CIO. And I think people need to understand when they were all working together, they, they wanted to rig the system by having universal mail-in, which I would point out, Doug, there are a lot of countries in this, this world that have outlawed universal mail-in. France yeah. outlawed it in 1975 because it's rife with fraud. Sure, they realized in 1975 in France, right? Mm -hmm. Dead people were voting. People were st stuffing ballot boxes. They were actually selling votes. And then I, the other thing, too, that people understand is 85 percent of European Union nations, they don't allow universal mail-in. If you are in the country, some of the countries, if you're in the country, you can't vote by mail. Other countries, if you're if you're in the country, you actually have to produce valid photo ID to actually be able to re request and receive a mail-in ballot. Right. And here we are in the United States thinking that somehow we can allow tens of millions of, of mail-in votes uh, by skirting laws, by skirting state constitutions, and nothing fraudulent happened, 
when in fact we know that it's ripe with fraud because we've seen it around the world and other nations have taken very strong stances on this and it's time that we actually did the same and not allow this to happen again in 2022 or 2024. Absolutely yeah we got to get proactive now and you were mentioning some of the major players so what was it in the article that surprised you the most and, and was it the chamber Chambers of Commerce participation. I know I saw that at first. I'm like, what? not really. And then I thought, ah, maybe not. I'm not maybe I'm not that surprised. But what, what do you think about no, that? No, I, I, to me, the Chamber of Commerce has always been problematic for right. years. And I think what people need to understand is with the Chamber of Commerce, they're corporatists. There's a big difference between corporatism and capitalism. And the Chamber of Commerce is about corporatism, in which they want to advance the corporate interests, not necessarily the American worker or the American right. taxpayer. And they don't want good trade deals for the American worker and American taxpayer. So, right. uh, you know, Chamber of Commerce to me has always been problematic. And, and in 2020, they really just kind of dropped the masquerade. But again, it's not that surprising, Doug, when you think about it, corporatism and statism kind of go hand in hand, right? The big corporations want more state. They want more regulations. They want more involvement because it reduces competition. Yeah. So I, I think the thing that, that most people need to understand about this article, first of all, they have to read it. I would strongly encourage people sure. go read Molly Ball's uh, article on how they rigged the 2020 election and read through it in detail. But again, big tech, I think one of the things that was a little surprising to me, and again, I already knew about some of this, but again, big tech, not only their suppression of information that would have changed people's votes, right? Twitter and Facebook right. and Google suppressing some of this information that would have been damaging to Joe Biden. We found out afterwards, mm -hmm. I think it was about 9% of voters in battleground states, if they had known some of this information would have changed their votes, which would have been the difference, right? Between Biden or Trump winning these battleground states, the difference for the White House. Yeah, I think the thing that was surprising is the offline influence of Mark Zuckerberg and his Center for Tech and Civic Life, when he put 350 million into this entity, that then spent, as far as we can track through the Amistad Project's report, about 99% of their money uh, in blue counties and blue states in battleground uh, states that obviously boosted what I call the blue vote, the Democratic vote, because they sure. knew if we spent a lot of money, sometimes $47 per voter in Wisconsin in these blue counties and blue cities is going to boost the Democratic vote. So people need to understand this, this was very problematic in how private money was used to actually pay uh, election officials in very targeted counties and cities and battleground states. Yeah, and you look at that money coming in, and it, it I think it kind of points to a larger problem, which I think this story may be an indictment of the things that you and I have talked about before, about this kind of the lazy Republicans, you know, who are just like, they're watching this stuff happen, and they just let it happen. Oh, my gosh, I think they stole the election. Let's move on. You know, it's like, no, 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 we're going to come back and revisit you guys that didn't do anything. Yeah, no, and they were warned. I mean, I know for a That's fact right. I've actually had conversations with some of the lawyers that were warning the RNC in the beginning of 2019, be on the alert, Mark yeah. Elias and the Democrats are going to file all kinds of lawsuits uh, to change and really kind of implement some of the stuff that took place in California in 2018. And again, they, they filed about 300 lawsuits, were very successful. And their claim in this article, Doug, was that they were trying to avoid election confusion. Right. Bull crap. Right. What they were trying to do was cause election chaos That's and in the right. hopes of the chaos get their their guy through to the the finish line first joe biden and prevent donald trump the other thing too that i think people need to understand about what was taking place this system was manipulated so that the american people could not fully exercise their right to self-governance that's what took place this was an oligarchic attempt to remove and a successful one to remove the american people's right to self-governance should never be allowed to happen again that's right that's right and you think about overwhelming the system like what you're saying 
that's also the you know rules for la radical Saul Alinsky style on the election is just push as much in there as you possibly can and then oh we got some more votes over here and everything else and then it's over and then we just well, got to be like oh well it's over we got to move on you know? well they understand if you if you once you bake election fraud into the cake right it's very it's very hard to unbake the cake yeah and it's very hard to overturn an election and they know they knew they know what they're doing they've been doing this for years but never on this scale. I mean, yeah. this is truly a massive what they did in 2020. And and Donald Trump was right. I mean, again, the, the thing that frustrated me a little bit about Trump post November 3rd, there was so much provable, actionable items. You know, we, we shouldn't have focused on some of the other things. Again, I, I would point out, we should actually look at Dominion. I mean, when Germany outlaws electronic voting machines in 2009, we should probably follow their lead and say, we're gonna go low tech. We're gonna go towards a paper ballot approach uh, as much as possible. At the same time, it kind of distracted from a lot of these things that we could prove. We could point at and go, no, no, no. Th these things were taking place in Wisconsin and Michigan and Georgia and Philadelphia mm -hmm. area. Th this was in violation of state constitution and state laws. Absolutely. Uh, and we should have focused more on that. And, and I think that was one of the, the missed opportunities and it's something we've got to correct by 2022. Well, that's right. And, and as you know, and we've been having conversations about work on our own here, but a lot of conservative groups now are working on the election integrity reforms going forward. But do you think that 2020, as bad as it's been, it's, it's the spark that, you know, finally needed to take to get going, to take this whole thing much more seriously going forward? I hope so. I mean, I, the, the thing that one of my takeaways from that Time article was, again, completely infuriating, but also do these guys think they've gotten away with it? Do they right. think that the American people are not going to be paying enough attention or troubled enough to actually do something about it? And I think that's still a big question mark. Will enough of the American people rise up and go, hey, wait a minute, this mm -hmm. wasn't this wasn't right. What yeah. was done was, was, was wrong. But part of that process is going to be educating people, Doug, that we actually have to, first of all, make sure people read this article. We have to continue to educate them on what Center for Tech and Civic Life was doing. And we have to show again and again and again how laws were violated how constitutions were violated mm -hmm. in which unelected officials in a lot of these states either broke or just simply skirted the laws to achieve what they wanted to which was again the manipulation of our electoral system to get the results they wanted yeah. so it, it really does come down to will enough of the american people first of all understand and then do something about it to prevent it from happening again in the future yeah and i, I think about that effort that goes into it from their side you know you talk about mark elias and these guys and their effort level you know, it's up here and ours has been down here historically. So we got to go to here and then we got to go to here full time because full time they're trying to find ways to cheat. And so we got a full time push back. And so, you know, we, we got to work it. You know, we got to work it. Well, so, yeah, uh, that, that, that is correct. I mean, part of it is because the left views politics very differently, right? It's their yeah. religion. It's yeah. what they do 24 seven because yeah. they think it's through the, the state they will actually achieve progress. So that's something they do all the time. And we as Republicans and conservatives, we just want to be left alone, yeah. right? We want to be able to live our lives, do our jobs, have a hobby, yeah. hang out with our family, be able to pursue life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. They want to pursue empowering the state and making sure the state actually promotes progress, whatever that means in their right. you know, convoluted, yeah. twisted thinking. They'll let you know what progress is. Just do what they say. That's right. You know? so, that's right. That's right. So so in 2017, so, uh, so Trump had just won and then Pascal gets on 60 Minutes and he starts talking about how Trump won almost entirely with Facebook targeted ads, right? And so then right. from that moment, right, liberals at that point were like, oh, what the heck just happened in this election? And so, you know, what's your opinion on that? Is that is that the moment that going forward the die was cast, that big tech is like, we're not going to let Donald Trump do that again. And so it kind of like built into this 
you know, whole thing they were working yeah. on, and it pushed at the end there. Yeah, no, I think after after the 2016 elections, there are a lot of people that were thinking we are never, ever going to let this happen again. They don't. I, I've said this on Tucker, and I, I've said it in, in op-eds, Doug. A lot of Democrats on the left, I would say most of them, in fact, 99% of them, are done with democracy, yeah. right? And, and 2016 to them was very scary because somehow – you know, our democratic republic worked in which the people, the American right. people had the right to self-governance. They, they elected this great outsider who is called seditious, who is called mm-hmm. a domestic terrorist because he's, he dared to actually say that the American system of government should serve the American worker and the American taxpayer. We should work on trade deals that benefit us. We should work on immigration policy that benefits us, all of these things. And for that, he has been under nonstop attack. But yeah, no, I think they looked at 2016 and said, oh my gosh, we can never let this happen again and we're going to do everything we can to prevent it. And then you saw the big rig and the big manipulation in 2020. Again, big tech and big union and big money and big labor, all of these forces uniting to say we will do whatever it takes, including, I think, breaking the law uh, to prevent Donald Trump from winning re-election because they view him as an existential threat to the system, the status quo that benefits them. Yeah, for sure. And I think that these, these people that they're talking about in this article – and all that they did and all they put together, you know, they're they're bragging about it in their own way. But also in the back of their mind, they know that they rigged the thing. So right. and in reality, if they hadn't rigged the thing, Trump probably would have won again. And all these millions so. of people voted for Trump. So so I think what they have to the conclusion that they have to be coming to is we have to do this plus more going forward because yep. there's this continuing populist uprising you know, as long as we can, as conservatives, we can get our act together and get some, you know, confidence back in the electoral system for our folks. They know that's that right. that's coming and they're just going to keep cheating more and more. We just got to think we got to be two steps ahead about where are they going to go next to cheat? You know, that, no, that's exactly right, Doug. I was actually just telling a friend that earlier today in which I said, OK, now we under, fully understood. We have fully understood what they did in 2020. What are they going to do in 2022? Right. We have to start thinking like they do. Yeah. First of all, we have to correct what they did, but also think ahead of like what what are the other steps are going to take? You know, how many more billionaires are going to attempt a center for tech and civic life? That's right. You know, what other laws are they going to try and entrench into actual law? Because yeah. a lot of this was done by unelected officials in a unconstitutional manner. How are they going to actually entrench it into actual laws? You know, we've got to be ahead of the curve. So. I got to tell you, we got to work cut out for us. But, you know, be of good cheer. There, there were 74, almost 75 million Americans That's right. that believed that Donald Trump had the right message. And those were actually legitimate votes, right? That's I don't right. know how many of the 81 million votes for Joe Biden are legitimate, but right. I know that Donald Trump's were. Yeah. And that, that should encourage people. There are tens of millions that agree with you. Now, we've got to get them organized on the streets, getting good candidates elected, getting electoral reform done. To take back this country, I mean, we are at the, we are at a junction point where I, I truly believe, and I've told you this, Doug, we got one shot of the Death Star in 2022, yeah. and if we don't make the most of it and actually correct this thing, yeah. you know, all bets are off for the Constitutional Republic. Yeah, no doubt, and that's a great metaphor. And I think as conservative slash Republicans, wherever you stand on that spectrum, we have to get ourselves in a place where we think we need to be perfectly okay with a permanent majority of real conservatives who are going to make real change happen that is conservative change and be willing to lead because otherwise we're just kind of like yeah just otherwise it's like well maybe we're in power once in a while you know it's like crazy now this is the one thing that you just hit on something that is completely frustrating to me what is the point of winning political majorities if you do not know how to use political power right and republicans 
I have to tell you, the, the D.C. set of Republicans are abysmal at mm -hmm. using political power of actually saying, OK, we're going we're going to break apart the administrative state. We're going to start to devolve power, but we're going to actually use the power that the American people gave to us instead of, you know, keep holding status quo or, or conserving whatever power we have for maybe an election cycle or two. So we need Republicans that actually know how to use political power once we've gotten it. Yeah, they're not good at the political power thing, but they can raise money. No, they are not. <laughs> they can know they know what to say to raise money sometimes, and they can they can go to, they know how to go to some kick-ass cocktail parties. So that's, that's right. what, you know that's what DC is. So I know it's changed COVID-wise, but I'm sure they're still doing their thing, their speakeasy version of it. But uh, right. anyways, uh, so back to this, uh, you know, uh, uh, conservatives kind of like coalescing and getting more together. It's like creating our own our own platforms that are going to be independent of these liberal censors. So how do you what what do you see happening there? You know, we watched the parlor thing explode and right. hopefully come back and everything. But what do you see in that regard with conservatives getting to places where they can, you know, they can they can exercise their first amendment rights without their liberal censors? Yeah, no, I think this is going to be the struggle moving forward. First of all, uh, you know, anybody that tells me that that somehow the big tech companies should not be dealt with and have their section 230 uh, exemptions removed, that they're, they're monopolies that should be broken up. They don't understand the free market, right? And, and these big tech monopolies have now dominated the internet uh, and, and prevented free enterprise and entrepreneurial uh, competition to bring in new voices and new platforms. So, you know, we, we've got to figure out how to break those monopolies at the same time, figure out other platforms where we can actually be able to speak freely. I, I think the real battle is going to be for the internet moving forward, not necessarily the platforms, but internet access. Yeah. Uh, and how do we actually make sure that that is not taken away? Because it is the modern day Agora. It's the modern day forum where people exchange a lot of ideas and get their information. So, you know, I know some of us are talking about how do you create your own server farm, your own server cloud like Amazon? How do you actually create and promote really good products like a parlor, uh, like some of these other things that are being discussed and being put out there? But yeah, no, this is one of the things where we, we, we had better be very vigilant on Internet access uh, or we're going to be completely shut out. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get on it. Got to get on it. And that 230 stuff. I mean, we we waited way too long, you know, back to yeah, not did. doing the right thing oh, when you have power. You know? can, I, can I say something that yeah. really quick, Doug? Yeah. My next piece for American greatness is, is on this issue of big tech monopolies to the point where I think it's a litmus test for us moving forward. You know, do you renounce Satan and all of his evil works? The equivalent <laughs> right. is, do you renounce big tech and all uh, of their evil uh, works? Sure. Because if sure. we don't, again, we're going to lose the free flow of information, that's complete right. freedom of speech. The thing that's troubling to me is that a lot of D.C. supposedly conservative organizations in, in 2020, we're taking Google money, we're taking Facebook money. It probably won't surprise you, Doug, that Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise, a lot of Republican leaders were taking max out donations from Google. But what should also trouble people, and I point this out in my article, is when Freedom Caucus members like Jim Jordan and Andy Biggs are also taking Google and Facebook money, we might have a problem on this in which those people that are supposed to be actually dealing with this issue are conflicted. And then these conservative organizations like Heritage, National Review, American Conservative Union, Americans for Tax Reform, National Taxpayer Union are all taking Google money to yeah. then trot out and say, no, we should leave the Section 230 alone. We shouldn't touch it. We should let the free market you know, play out. They're being paid off. Yeah. And it's time that we actually start to call them out because we will never have meaningful reform on the tech issue if so-called conservative leaders and conservative organizations are taking tech money. 
Yeah, how about it? And uh, anytime a guest is quoting the Bible, I gotta love that. So they're, they're letting they're letting the yeast to, the yeast of that money get through the bread. You know, it's spreading it really out is. everywhere, right? To use my own it's biblical dangerous. metaphor, yeah, it really is. And then, so the last thing I want to ask you about. So so far in 2021, um, you know, who on our side's impressed you in, in going forward? Like, who do you think you know maybe a, the the next group of folks that's going to rise up here and, and help us get to the place we need to get to? Well, in regards to elected leadership, I, yeah. I would say, obviously, I'm a big fan of Josh Hawley's. Yeah, you know, he's fighting sure. the good fight in the Senate and ta taking some, you know, slings and arrows for that. You know, Christy Noem up in South Dakota has been pretty impressive. She has withstood a lot of pressure, you know, shut, shut down your economy, shut down the state because of mm -hmm. coronavirus. And she said, I don't think so. So she's really shown a lot of good leadership. And obviously, Ron DeSantis in Florida, yeah. not only on the corona spot front saying, no, I'm not going to shut down the state any longer, but also his stance on big tech. And I, I note him in my new piece that he's taken the right stance. And hopefully the other 26 Republican governors will follow his lead, as, as well as the 23 states where we have trifectas. Republican governor, state house, state senate should also follow his lead on dealing with tech. So I would say those three, Josh Hawley, Christy Noem, and, and Ron DeSantis have been pretty impressive. But you know, we got three years, so I, I'm curious to see who else will rise to the occasion. Got to work it. Got to get them there. That's so, right. well, good. Well, I think we got a, a, a copy of your book here, or a, a picture I've always wanted to make sure is Restoring Our Republic. Great book. Yeah. Uh, great work on American greatness and the pieces that you write. Really love it and, and really love having you on the show and, and hope you come back. So thanks for coming on today, Ned. Absolutely, Doug. Always, always enjoy it. Well, all right, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget, working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. So until next time, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe now at restorationofamerica.com slash first right or text first right to 1-312-820-9167.